Y'all don't tell Brody that Brad called him a heathen. That'll hurt Brody's feelings, I feel like. That'll be our secret. Um, so we just talked about, we teach the gospel through, um, you know, family devotions and teachable moments, right? Um, another way we teach the gospel is through discipline. And uh, I'm really excited about this. Um, a, because I feel like I do it a lot. And um, studying for this, I'm, I was telling Hayes this week, I was like, don't be bad. Because, like, I'm, like, talking about how to discipline you all the time right now. That's all I'm thinking about right now. So you better be good right now because it could be badly, badly for you. So the question I'm going to try to answer is how do we discipline? Um, and here's what's neat. If you don't have kids today, if you don't have kids at all, I feel like this is going to apply to you as well because in, in some sense, this is how we disciple as well. I mean, don't go spank people, but like, you know, um, we, this is how we partially do this as well. So the first thing on how do we discipline? First thing, we discipline with the end in mind. We don't discipline because we're angry. We don't discipline just to get them to stop doing something. We discipline with the end in mind. Uh, me and Tracy, one of, our, one of our phrases in our house is, we want to raise godly young men who fear God above everything else. And so everything we do, well, <laughs> we try to have everything that we do be leading to that so that when I discipline my children for telling me no, it's not just because they told me no, it's because I want to train them and correct them to fear God above everything else. Does that make sense? So as you have kids right now, um, you need to think about what is the end in mind. And biblically, it's really these two things. First thing is glorifying God. The, The chief end of man is to glorify God. And we glorify God by being fully satisfied in him. So the end for your child should be this, for him to value Jesus above everything else. So to be fully satisfied in God is the first thing. And second is to fear God above everything else. To fear God. To acknowledge God. To fear God over fearing man. You can see in scripture over and over and over about fearing God leads to this. Fearing God leads to this. Fearing God leads to a gospel legacy. So the end for your family is satisfied in God and fearing God. Does that make sense? So we start there with that end. That is where we're headed when we do this. So the first thing we do and the first stage we're talking about is we discipline to teach the authority of God. This is really the focus when our kids are toddlers. Kind of that, that, that infant age to, don't, not, not infants, but uh, kind of that young kid age, like around four or five. That toddler age, when you have that age, the biggest thing you want them to know is that they are under authority. And the first thing, for them to learn that, parents, you have to model that. And here's what that means. You don't come home belittling your boss. Because who has God placed you under the authority of? Your boss. You don't go home and belittle your pastors. I'm a a pastor, so I'm a little biased here. But God has placed a church under authority. We respect uh, police officers and firemen and presidents and mayors because God has placed them there and we are under authority. So if you're going home and complaining about every authority figure in your life, your kids will never understand and respect authority. So first, parents, you have to model this. 
the most important lesson for the child to learn this period. I got to say this really quick. Um, A lot of my notes are pulled from shepherding your child's heart. I will email that link out this week so you can buy. I would encourage you to buy that book. I read it years ago. And, uh, you know, you read something, you kind of forget you read it. And, and we've started disciplining our children the past year or two. And as I kind of reread it preparing for this, I was reminded of how much that helped shape me as a parent. So I would encourage every person who has kids to pick up that book. Um, so I'm going to reference that a lot. So just, just know this is not from me. Um, the child needs to learn they are an individual under authority. They have been made by God and have a responsibility to obey God in all things. Here's the key passage, Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's right. Honor your father and mother. I'll tell you right now, I I feel like this verse right now is just like tattooed on my brain, if that's possible, because I tell Hayes this verse probably five times a day. Our words are honor and obey in our house right now. Honor and obey. Honor and obey. And submission to parents, authority means to honor and obey. Listen to this. Submission to your authority means sometimes your kids will do things they don't want to do. Here, here's, here's as, as your, one of your pastors, you have permission for your kids to cry. Your kids are going to be upset. Your kids are going to fight you, going to be angry. Going to, that is okay. Your kids are fallen, sinful creatures. They are going to be upset especially being under your authority. There's a war going on in their heart. Here's what obedience is. Obedience is the willing submission of one person to the authority of another. It means more than a child doing what he is told. This is where it's lots of fun. It means doing what, what he is told without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. Okay, okay, let's, let's come back for a second. So, because I have a house with kids, and when I hear the phrases without challenge, without excuse, and without delay, that overwhelms me, right? Because there's always a challenge, there's always an excuse, and there's always a delay. And so I, I get that, and I am right with you. But here's the truth, friends. If we are just okay with our children not respecting and submitting to our authority given to us by God, we are setting them up for failure. So let's use bedtime, for example. Um, So it's um, like 4.30 in the afternoon. It's bedtime, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Some days, maybe. No judgment here. Um, But it's time to go to bed. And you tell your kids, um, Johnny and Jane, that's, that's our made-up family real quick. Johnny and Jane, it is time to go to bed. Here's the truth. As the, you are God's representative for your kids. He has given you the authority. So their only response when the authority figure gives a command to go to bed is to go to bed. There is no delay. There is no excuse there is go to bed, which sounds really harsh. I understand that. I even saying it out loud it sounds harsh. But in order to teach your children to be under authority, you must be prepared to discipline disobedience. Consistency is mandated if your children are to learn that God requires obedience. So if there's delay, if there's excuses, we discipline. We discipline, we discipline. All right, let's go to the fun stuff. Let's go to Proverbs 13, 24. 
and we probably all heard this verse before. Um, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. If you're going to discipline, we must discipline with biblical methods. Um, And and there's a lot of things that we can do and and things you can try. But primarily, we must discipline with biblical methods. And that does mean spanking. And and there could be somebody in the room today who when when they hear that, they just kind of revolt. Possibly because they had a very bad experience with that or was abused on them. And so we're not talking about any of those things. And if you have fears or objections, it is okay to ask questions. I invite you to come to me and say, I I don't know about this, Jason. I would encourage you to do that. Um, But biblically, what we see right here is this idea that whoever spares that discipline to his child functionally hates his child because we are raising them in a way that is opposed to God's methods. And here's the truth. When we are walking in God's way, there is safety. What's saying in Ephesians 6? That is right. Life is good. There is safety in God's way. When we get outside of God's way, and this is in a lot of areas, we go on lots of tangents here, but in this scenario, outside of God's way, it can lead to some very dangerous paths. So, when, when do you spank? When do you spank? Talking about toddlers specifically, when do you spank? If your child has disobeyed, they need to be spanked. Your child is disobeyed they need, because they need to understand there was a price for that sin. There was a really big price on the cross. This is the little price right here. They need to begin to understand that. Now hear me. I'm not saying if your child is hyper, they need to be disciplined. There's a difference there. Many times we discipline when a child is hyper because we're annoyed. When they disobey, we don't really discipline them. Does that make sense? Your child is a child. Let them knock things over. Move it out of the way, maybe. That could be a little easier solution. Your kids are going to be kids. Let's, I'm not saying respond to that. And there are some scenarios with special needs where spanking might not be an, 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 an option. And so I'm not, this is not a, a blanket statement. But, but most of the time, if your child is, is a normal functioning child and they disobey, they need to be spanked. Listen, if you accept challenge, delay, or excuses, you are not training in submission. You are, rather, training your children how to manipulate authorities and live on the ragged edge of disobedience. You teach them to toss you an occasional bone of obedience to keep you at bay. That is a convicting few sentences right there. So how to spank. I'm going to get very practical. This isn't on the screen, but you can write this down. Um, I'll try to talk very slowly. Um, how to spank. First thing, and I will tell you, this is exactly what we do at our house. Um, and our child is still a sinner. So, there's nothing, you know, it's just, you're going to do it a lot. Um, there's no catch-all method here. Uh, first thing, take them to a private place. Take them to a private place. You're at family's house. Don't spank them in front of grandma and grandpa. For one thing, grandma and grandpa are not going to like it. So take them to a private place. We don't want to embarrass our kids. Second, tell them specifically what they have done or failed to do. Now here's the truth. To do this, you have to be calm. You cannot be angry and tell somebody specifically what they did. And hear this, parents, um, 
When you're frustrated, when you're angry, do not touch your child. Do not. And there's moments of frustration in all of our lives. I know that I'm there. I am with you. And there's grace for us. But when we are angry, we need to stop and calm down. Next thing, secure an acknowledgement from the child of what they have done. This can be very tough. My child's not very verbal yet. And so to get him to like understand all I want is a yes or a yes, sir. I'll get a yes, ah, that's what I get from Hayes. But uh, I'll take it, I'll take it. And so, um, so get an acknowledgement. They understand what they have done as best you can. Next, remind them the function of spanking is not you being angry, but to restore them. So to do this, you must not be angry. Because our, our goal is not just punitive discipline. Our goal is restoration. Our goal is training. Our goal is reproof. If that's not your goal, just stop. You're just hurting a child. Next thing, tell the child how many swats they will receive. This communicates control, communicates love, communicates that you know what you're doing and you're not just angry. Next thing, after spanking, embrace your child. This is some of my sweetest moments with my child. Is, is Hayes is learning to understand my voice. That when I speak, he needs to submit to that authority. And when, and when he knows when I come here and do this, he is already understanding that things are bad for him. And, but when I spank him, there is this sweet embrace. Because what I want to teach my son is, yes, there's punishment. Yes. But there is good news and grace and love from me, but ultimately from Jesus Christ. Last thing, pray together. Pray with your child. Ask God to restore and move in their heart. They're going to have no idea probably what you're talking about. But continue to do it. Build that habit. Build that rhythm. So for our toddlers, for that age group, we are trying to teach them that they are under the authority of God. Now as they get older, moving into kind of that childhood phase, we want to discipline to teach them the heart of God. Think about, um, so your kids get school age, you send them to school, and there is this um, literal kind of letting them go out on them. I can't even think about it, honestly, the kids going to school. It just freaks me out. But where they're out from under your nose so much that some of your authority is going away a little bit. And so at that moment is when your child's heart idols really begin to surface. And here's why. Because your child can obey you and still be selfish. So we're moving away from just disciplining behavior to disciplining intentions and heart motivations. Does that make sense? This is when we really get to work. Now here's the problem. So when we start thinking about these heart motives, we try to create rules to control the heart motives. Let me give you an example. So uh, use a sharing, for example. So if you have more than one kid, you've probably already encountered the problem with sharing. So if you have a seven-year-old who is not wanting to share, you could say, okay, you have 10 minutes with this toy, then you need to give it up. And that's a fine thing to do, and you can do that. The problem with that is you are teaching your child to obey a rule and not have a heart change. So in that moment, we have to be careful to not just create more rules, or we're going to raise up a bunch of Pharisees who can make rules, or a bunch of heathens who rebel against the rules. And both those extremes we don't want to be in. So we have to be careful with just making rules. Hear this. Whatever motivates behavior trains the heart. So if you're motivating them to do good, you're training their their heart to be drawn 
to just these rules. Does that make sense? Whatever motivates behavior trains the heart. Listen to this. The heart directs behavior. The heart directs behavior. Luke 6.45 says this. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Everything you do, what you say, what you do, how you live, comes from your heart. It come, Think about a tree. And so you have this tree, and you have all these fruits, and the fruit of this is a responsible child. A fruit of this is a child who shares. A fruit of this is a child who loves others. Many times we as parents, all we do is attack the fruit and try to knock it down and create fruits. When, when what we need to do as parents is go to the roots of our kids' character and heart and teach them they need a Savior. Behavior has a what, a when, and a why. So there's a reason, you know, what, what we did, when we did it, and why we did it. Your job as a parent is to help your child connect the what of their behavior to the why of their behavior. Does that make sense? Your job, so they did this. You see the behavior. It's not pretty. You have to help show them and help them see why they did it. You have to expose idols. That's why I can put it. Um, you need to help them see their behavior is the overflow of their heart. Okay, I'm going to give you an illustration. and We're going to go back to sharing for a second. So how do you do this? Um, first off, I apologize for my mic. It's annoying the mess out of me. Um, first thing, uh, this is going to be a work in progress. And just so you know, you're going to do this badly. There's a great quote though. Anything worth doing is worth doing badly. And so as you do this, you're going to get better at it. So I'm going to give you an illustration of kind of how you can do this. Um, so sharing. So your kid won't share. You know, we talk about one option. You can create more rules, right? I would advise you not to do that. You could bribe them to share with their brother. I wouldn't do that either. You could threaten them to share with their brother. Let me tell you this. Um, there is a problem when we are talking to our 8-year-old and trying to kind of put our authority on them the way we should talk to a 3- or 4-year-old. Does that make sense? When our kids get older, hopefully they're learning authority and respect at an early age. Now, I want to say this real quick to all our parents. Most of us here have blown this already. And we're sitting here and we're thinking like, oh, I, I can't do this. I'm behind here. I've done this. There is grace for you. There is grace for your child. We are all a work in progress. Do not fret. So, they won't share. I would encourage you to do these few things. Ask them why they won't share. Learn how to ask why. If you're discipling an adult and they are struggling with somebody, ask them why. The behavior is an example of some heart issues, and we only find that out through asking why. Have your, help your kids. Help your kids to see their selfishness in their heart. As they ask why, you keep unpacking, and it's going to come out that they don't want to share because they think they're God. They want their way because they want to please themselves. Those are heart idols. It is your job as parents, especially at that young age, to expose those idols. Then punish them in an appropriate way. Now, as they get older, spanking becomes, there's issues kind of for every child is different. For your child, it might be spanking in that moment. For, the, for another child, it could be being grounded. It could be taking a toy away. I have no idea of the age of your child, but you must punish them. And as you punish them, remind them that Jesus was punished 
for their sins. And that the cross was the ultimate punishment. And that this spanking or this toy is very, very small. Because ultimately this sin leads to death. And it led to a death. Your kids need to understand their heart idols led to the cross of Jesus Christ. Which sounds dramatic. I understand that. But the only, listen, your school's not going to teach them this. The great teachers up there can't teach them this on a Tuesday afternoon when they're sinning. Only you, the parent, bring the gospel real to your kids' lives. So you punish them. Then you remind them. Here's where the good news comes in. Remind them that there is no hope for them to not be selfish. There is no hope. You can tell Johnny and Jane, listen, you are never, you're not going to make yourself not selfish. Your only hope is this, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. We point them to a Savior who can fix the heart issues. Does that make sense? So we ask why. We punish, we remind. Ask why, then punish then remind. And last but not least, we pray with them. We pray for them. We, we, our kids need to hear us pray for them, to pray over them, to pray for their hearts and to pray for their souls. That is what discipline looks like as best we can for those school-age kids. And very quickly, for our teenagers, for our parents of teenagers, God bless you. I have no idea what you're walking in right now, and I'm praying for you. But we discipline our teenagers to teach them the fear of God. Now, the, the, as our kids get older, so when they're young, think of your authority as being right here. It's a 10, right? As, as they're two, two years old. Your authority is a 10. And um, as they get older, your authority goes down and down and down and down and down like this till you send them off. And your authority is kind of gone. And they're independent creatures. So, but also when they're younger, our influence, because they don't understand influence, is way down here. So the goal of, of, for us as parents, as we're parenting teenagers, as our authority is waning, hopefully our influence is going up. Does that make sense? Probably help I have an illustration on the stage, set in my, on the screen, set in my hands. But imagine that I just did that the right way. And so... Um, so the goal is to we move away from authority and move into influence. And this is much trickier, much more subtle, a lot more questions, a lot more discussion, a lot less dominating. But we need, so in all areas, you need to teach your teenager to fear God above everything else. Because the world and their friends is throwing everything at them. And if they are not fearing God as the ultimate authority in life, all these fears are going to consume them. So as parents, and their, and their hearts are going to be just, I, I remember when I was a teenager, and I was just so driven by people and approval and all these weird things. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And there's maybe teenagers here today that are driven by these things. But there's good news for them, and that is to fear God. It is your job to make fearing God a daily practice. You have to make fearing God come into the day-to-day. So when they are struggling with the ACT, you have to begin to speak the truth that it's just a test. 
and that we don't have to fear tests. We have a great big God who is in control and that we are in awe and worship and fear of ultimately. And you as a parent have to do that every single day. They have to point them back that over and over and over again. It's going to happen through discussion. And yes, you're going to punish. Yes, you're going to ground. You're going to do all those things. But as you ground them, remind them that they are being punished because they are fearing man or fearing this over fearing God. Walk through your children. Walk through um, some of the prophets of the Old Testament. Let them see a very high view of creator God. Teach them the nature and character of God. Let them fall in love with the, with the true God and fear him. And last but not least, uh, and Brad mentioned this earlier, share your struggles. Man, with your teenager, men, share your struggles with lust with your sons. As they're an appropriate age, let them know that you understand the battle. Let them know that God is above everything else. Invite your teenagers into your struggles. And we're going to attempt to walk alongside you and do this with you and help you. And we're going to learn along the way as a faith family. And we're all going to jump in and do this together. That's the good news about all this is that we get to do this together. And, and I hope that today as we've talked through, you know, a range of things, I hope that you guys feel encouraged, feel like you have a little bit of some tools maybe. Um, and hopefully this week we're going to send out some more stuff to you through um, through our website and through our blog and through email. But um, I want to encourage you with this. Um, you have a connection card. Luke can talk to you in a minute about that. But as God placed stuff on your heart or questions, I want to encourage you to write that down. Because our heart is to equip you and to help you and just to teach you uh, what Scripture says. And so uh, we're going to watch a video and then Luke's coming and wrap us up.